seriously popular. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In today's episode... Are all footballers cheats? Why Salah quitting Liverpool would be a scandal? And is MLS still a home for washed up pros? I'm Ian Ladyman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. Chris, you are cross about what happened at Old Trafford on Saturday. And this is what you've written for us in The Verdict this morning you have written it's easy to see why opponents feel there is a big club bias decisions tended to go United's way in my day and they still do when a United player goes down in the box the threshold for a penalty never seems to be as high as it is for their opponents do you not agree with that um no, I don't think I do agree with that, actually. Do, do you think Nottingham Forest were wronged at the weekend? Do you think Wolves were wronged first game of the season? You, you look back, you can go back through history, and I, and I think uh, Alex Ferguson used to frighten the life out of referees. Also in the, you know, in the, in the column which I wrote, 10 years, 11 years, I think, from the mid-90s where I won, the, uh, won a penalty and Rule Fox scored, 11 years later was the next penalty an away team were awarded at Old Trafford. Don't you think that's a bit strange? According to this, you won a penalty by bursting into the box. That's what you've I, written here. Bursting, bursting into the bursting, box. Yeah, I had a lot of pace back then. Yeah, well, more than you do now. Um, <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I totally hear what you're saying. I covered Manchester United for best part of 10 years and more. Went to Old Trafford every time Manchester United played. I saw a lot of games where referees came under great pressure from the crowd, from Alex Ferguson, from players. I'm now talking as so I'm arguing against myself, but I'm not because I still think, on the whole, referees in this country give honest decisions. They got them wrong. They got the Wolves one wrong, and I think they got the Rashford one wrong at the weekend because I think Rashford dived. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I think it's an. I think it's an. I think I think our referees are honest. I don't think there's a conscious bias. Do they? Do, do, do you think though? Right. So. Okay, and that's fine. I understand that. Do you think, though, they feel the pressure, the weight of the crowd subconsciously uh, at, at, at the bigger clubs? And, and that is my point. Hence why at the weekend, Stuart Atwell awarded the penalty and uh, was it, it was Rob Jones in the, mm. in the VAR hut. So I understand why Stuart Atwell awarded it in real time. But Rob Jones should be strong enough then to look at it and he had all the angles to see that Marcus Rashford clearly dived. And this, not a clear and obvious error, as far as I'm concerned, that's utter rubbish. It's either a penalty or it's not a penalty. 
It was a dive. I think you agree with that. I do. So therefore, you know, it shouldn't have been awarded. Mike Dean writing in a column next to your column uh, in the verdict this morning says that talk of referees booking under pressure at Old Trafford is a myth. No, it's not. When you played, when you went to Old Trafford or... Uh, Anfield or uh, Highbury, as it would have been back then, I guess. Did you, Stamford Bridge, did you feel as a player playing for, when you were playing for a smaller club such as Norwich, that you were immediately up against it with the referee? Yeah, yeah absolutely, because I, because I do think the weight of the crowd, the referees, some referees are stronger than others, but I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a human thing, isn't it? And I, I, th- I think we've seen it over the years at Manchester United. We've seen the pressure that Alex Ferguson used to put on referees. But you, people have to make their own minds up. But, but just looking at this season, what's happened in Manchester United's first two home games, Wolves and Nottingham Forest, uh, you know, they've had big decisions go for them uh, and decisions which, frankly, most of the country are baffled. I would go further and say they, they were ridiculous decisions. They have been. They have been so what do you put it down to then? Error. Human error. So the biggest issue then is the standard of refereeing. We're going back down that route, so, are we? I put this out to uh, debate on uh, Twitter last night and got some interesting responses to what to what football fans think. Um, Mark D is at Atticus75 says, there is a home bias with referees across all sports, as was proved by the COVID season when away team victories went up. He's obviously referring to the fact there was no crowds. That, that's to, interesting. But, but that, that is interesting. It, yeah. At Doyler61 says, no, it's just massive incompetence. Um, yeah, look, everybody's got their opinion. I mean, mine is that, that, that referees, uh, they feel weight of the pressure of the crowd and that's, you know, that sways them. And uh, look, I don't... <laughs> That's what I think. That's where I stand. And I'm, I'm absolutely certain I'm right with this. It's interesting that we come out of a weekend like the one we've just had at, at Premier League football and we, talk, um, and we have these debates. But I think that I think this d- debate has actually been framed in the wrong way. We're talking immediately about the competence of referees, the honesty of referees, the ability of referees. But you can be influenced, can't you? you what you, you, we are you can not be influenced. talking about and what we should be talking about is the fact that every time a referee walks onto a football field in the Premier League at the weekend, he is tasked with the job of officiating a game in which 22 players are cheating. They're all cheating. When you were a player, you were all cheating. They all how, cheat. How and, very and re- dare you. And referee, how very dare you. For, for, you've got that end of the scale and you've got that end of the scale, but all footballers, from what I can see, are somewhere in the middle. They all cheat and referees have to deal with that. Hang, Mark, on, hang on. So it's not only the referee now. That's why VAR is a safety net as such. That's, that's why at the weekend, you know, it... it it was shocking that Rob Jones didn't actually overturn the original decision. One one thing which I would say is I tried to influence referees just like every other player in my day. If I had a foul awarded uh, against me, then another foul awarded against me, I'd say to the referee, come on, you know, give me one. I'm the one being fouled. So, you, you know, you, you I, I tried to put sort of psychological pressure on referees as as most players did. And that's why some referees are better than others. Some referees are stronger than others in those situations. Um, but, you know, players certainly try to influence referees and some referees, quite frankly, buckle. And that's what happened. Wolves' first game, where, as I said, most of the country were incredulous about that uh, that decision. Wolves weren't awarded a penalty. That's what happened again at the weekend. And, and Steve Cooper, I can understand his anger. 
this is not a show that's, that's um, been set up to criticise Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford is, is, is no better or no worse in terms of staying on his feet than any other forward player in the Premier League, as far as I can see. But that was, a, that was a dive on Saturday, as far as I'm aware. Uh, the match of the day analysis, as, as, a, as a general theme on Saturday, was excellent, I thought, across the show. But I, but I, I thought they were quite weak on that. I thought uh, Gary Lineker and Danny Murphy and Ashley Williams were quite were quite weak on that. They, they they glossed over it a little bit because they said there was some contact. Rashford didn't have to go down, did he? I don't I don't like it when uh, when people say, "Well, that's clever play." I really don't like that. It's cheating, isn't it? Diving is cheating. Is something I think where you know all football fans are across the country. If it goes against their team, they're absolutely furious. It needs to stop. And you know I've said this many many times. Uh, the the deterrent needs to be really strong. If you gave players a three-match ban for diving, then they'd you know, really have to think about it. And the only people who ever, the only people who are telling footballers not to dive are people in the media and people in the stands because no one, no one at a Premier League coaching uh, training ground this week will be telling a player not to dive. They'll all be telling their players. Do you think, do you think managers actively tell players to dive? I, th- I think managers and coaches are quite happy with players taking the, con- the question. taking the contact to go down. If you get contact, go down. Yeah, I think they are taught that. I think they are. T- I think I thought think, it, told it. Told, I think they are told that. But told to dive. If you feel the contact, go go to ground. I, I was never told. To no. no. So if you'd so if you'd been playing for Chelsea and you'd have run th- and you'd have run through into the penalty or area, Aston Villa, uh, or any of those huge clubs in the Midlands that you represented for about a week, <laughs> if you if you, I mean, I, I talk about you in the penalty area with Chelsea is a bit of a kind of you on dodgy oh, ground straight away. You, you weren't in there very often. <laughs> well, not not the opposite opposite one anyway. But if you if you'd run in, run into penalty area, you feel that you feel a nudge. So here's one for you. There has to be sufficient contact. Everybody understands that. So, so, so are you asking me, did I ever go down? Yes, I did. But I went down when there was, I felt there was a weight of contact. So, you know, you just, you, you just get found out. I thought Marcus Rashford at the weekend was found out. We've seen, we've seen, I mean, Harry Kane was the master at diving. Now he's gone over to the Bundesliga. He can take his diving over there. Mo Salah has dived. You know, it's it's all throughout the Premier League. And players look silly, I think, when they do throw themselves to the floor. But they're going to keep doing it until we get a strong enough deterrent. And actually, um, you know, the Premier League is strong enough where they just say, you know, we're going to ban you. And if you ban players, then it will stop it. But I agree with that. But that, although there'll be no one left to play, that cheating, that cheating, that exaggeration of contact then shifts the weight of responsibility onto referees. Referees then start to struggle with what is real and what is fake and we end up with situations like we had at the weekend. But be strong enough then. This is the whole point of VAR. Rob Jones at the weekend, he he sees all the different angles. He has to be strong enough in that moment to, t- to say uh, Stuart, well you got that one wrong. Marcus Rashford dive but but because of the weight of the the pressure of the crowd at Old Trafford that's why I believe Manchester United were awarded okay, that penalty. Let, let's let's leave that there before you get even more animated and the, you know, knock your microphone off the table or something because we've got other things to talk about one of which is yesterday's uh, game at St James's Park Liverpool came from behind to beat Newcastle in what seemed to be uh, a thrilling um, game of football now there's lots to dissect from that game but it, but on a wider on a wider topic, Mo Salah, Liverpool future, Saudi. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are uh, Mo Salah cannot 
leave Liverpool at this time to uh, to go to Saudi. Just just based on the timing of it, a couple, we're a couple of days now to the end of the window. I think that uh, that that would be scandalous if Mo Salah decided to leave and leave Liverpool in the lurch. Now, if you if if, if this was a deal which was in the pipeline a month, five, six weeks ago, do you know what? I'd I'd understand it. But I think if he did that, he would, I mean, that would that would be a real slap across uh, the face for Jurgen Klopp, a guy who actually turned Mo Salah into the, the world-class player, which he is, uh, a guy who's shown great loyalty to Salah, and I get Salah shown great loyalty uh, to Liverpool. But I feel Mo Salah owes Jurgen Klopp one as well. He's thirty one. He's not he's not washed up. He's not coming to like the uh, the end of his uh, playing career. I mean you could argue Jordan Henderson, you know, uh what was it, a couple of years older. Um I can understand why he went to Saudi, wasn't a regular at Liverpool. But Mo Salah still has a lot to offer for Liverpool and uh, Liverpool are a better team with Mo Salah in it and Liverpool can maybe challenge Manchester City if Mo Salah stays. So I think Mo Salah owes it to Liverpool. And it, and uh, I, I know I said the same thing on, on Mitrovic, but what would Mo Salah's legacy be for the Liverpool supporters if he cleared off to Saudi and left Liverpool in the lurch right now? I, I think that's a big thing. Well, he's on, on £350,000 a week. That's That's a lot of money. That's an absolute... Fortune, but if he turned his back uh, on Liverpool right now, it wouldn't leave Jurgen Klopp enough time to get an adequate replacement if there is such a thing to replace Mo Salah. And that would be where you know he 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 cannot do the dirty on Liverpool. That would be an absolute scandal. I tell you what, his legacy is: his legacy is a Champions League, a Premier League, an FA Cup, a League Cup. And doing, um, the, uh, yeah, doing the dirty on uh, his team a couple of days before the window after a, a bad season. Last season, they had a bad season. Mo Salah had a good season, but Liverpool had a bad season. I mean, don't you don't you believe in loyalty? I don't think I've actually managed to complete one of my sentences so far on this on this show without you interrupting me. You must be, you must be a terrible... Well, say something sensible. You must be and a terrible not- dinner, dinner companion, seriously. Can I just finish what I was saying, which was that he's won the Champions League, he's won the, he's won the Premier League, he's won the FA Cup, he's won the League Cup, he's won the European Super Cup, doesn't really count as a trophy, he's won the World Club Cup, doesn't really count as a trophy but he's won the lot with them so I think that's his legacy however I agree with you to leave now at this end this, at this time would, would be very wrong Liverpool are concerned about it their message is he's not for sale but the Saudi thing has brought has, has placed all of these situations into a completely new context so I would be I would be concerned I would be counting the days down to the end of the transfer window if I was them I would also, however, be surprised if Salah stays beyond the end of this season. And I would not blame him if if next summer, with a year left on his contract, he went. I wouldn't blame him for that at all. He's not a Liverpoolian. He's not a Scouser. He's North African. Okay, he's given them good service. He's, well, because people talk about loyalty as though, oh, he's got, he can't leave, he can't leave. Of course he can leave. I think Salah had done his bit and I would not have been surprised... Please don't interrupt me again. I would not have been surprised if he'd have left a couple, you know, a summer ago. You know, he's not got Champions League f- football this season, for example. All I'm saying is, I think 
that the fact that he's still around to help them in that transition into the next phase that involves uh, Darwin Nunes and Jogo Jota um, and and Diaz and Gapco, the fact that he's still there to play his part in that, I think Liverpool should be very grateful for that and very happy that he's still here. The loyalty factor, I, I honestly, I think is a massive thing. And, you know, you obviously think it's okay to, to be disloyal. I don't. Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp signed Mo Salah. Mo Salah has been, is this six or seven uh, season? Uh, yeah, 2017. I think he owes it to Klopp. And I think he owes it to Klopp because last season was a disappointing season, albeit at the end of the season. They, they had built a bit of momentum. Mo Salah had a strong season. This season, you can see that, that um, look, it's, it's early days, but, but you just feel that Liverpool maybe can push. And I think that the loyalty that, that Klopp uh, showed in Salah in the early days and actually, as I said, turned him into an absolute world beater. I think at this stage of the window, for Mo Salah to turn his back on Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, I think that, that, that would be a scandal. And I really do believe, while you make a very good point about everything that he's won, can't win any more at Liverpool. He's won everything. That uh, that there would be Liverpool fans who you know would 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 feel really angry if he departed now. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Anyway, look, um, we are a new show um, and we're really, really happy that you are listening. Um, we're really, really happy for those of you who also uh, have, the, have the courage to sit and watch us. Um, it's really, really important to us, if you are watching on YouTube, YouTube, that you like and subscribe. And in terms of the podcast, please do leave a review because it means the world to us. We've had a couple, um, uh, one from Dave who said, uh, I don't normally listen to podcasts, but I really enjoyed this. Really good content and done in a a fun way and Archie on Spotify said they're a bit grumpy but they but they really seem to know their football I think you're the grumpy one and I'm the one who knows about the football is Archie that You heard it. You heard it, Archie. You heard Archie. Please, please don't, please, Archie. Please don't, Archie. We haven't got enough of you. Please subscribe and follow, Archie. We, have, we haven't got enough of you, Archie. Please stay. Please, please stay. Please stay with Sorry, us. Sorry, Archie. Now, um, it's always nice to be surprised in football, isn't it? And uh, Tottenham have. Um, been out of the blocks in a way that we probably didn't expect this season. Two wins out of three. And what's more, um, their new coach, Ant Postacoglu, Ange Postacoglu, 
I've been practicing that for about three weeks. Still can't get it right. Anne's Postacoglu. It's not even that difficult. No, it's, it's not, not that difficult no. to say it. Anne's Postacoglu. I would love to see you in a press conference with, yeah, with Big A. What do you think my chances are of getting a one-on-one one <laughs> on one with Postacoglu at the moment? Anyway, he appears to have a new fan. Now, now first, first thing to ask Even here, Christian first thing here, brilliant. does Robbie need to work on his high notes a little bit? I wasn't sure that was kind of pitch perfect, that was it? I thought that was good. You thought it was yeah. okay? Anyway, that's magnificent. Now, Postacoglu, born in Greece, grew up in Australia, first came onto our radar when he was managing Celtic in Scotland, come, to, come down to Premier League to manage Tottenham, the jury was out a little bit. Have we have we disrespected disrespected him a little bit? When when you say we, I think uh, the media in general haven't. Uh, but I, th- I think there was right was, there, was there not was there not a, uh, a no to Postacoglu campaign from uh, Spurs fans? I, th- I think there was. Mm. Who? Uh, what, you know, why? There, you there, think? There, there was there was a similar thing at Celtic when when Ange Postacoglu came over to Celtic because. I think a large part of it was because he's Australian and, and people view Australia as not a, a, a footballing yeah. country with the greatest respect. And people didn't really scratch beneath the surface. Um, if you look at every club he's been at in his coaching career, he's had 25 successful years in coaching and he turns clubs around. And, uh, and uh, it did well with, with uh, Brisbane in Australia, went to Yokohama, who was struggling in the, in the J-League turned them round into J-League champions, came to Celtic, took over one hell of a mess at Celtic and uh, turned them round five five out of six trophies, uh, two league titles. But it wasn't just that. It was about style of play, brand of football, and then going to Tottenham. That was the biggest thing for me. Mm-hmm. He, he, would, he would tick that box majorly. It's interesting, um, you know, pundits who I uh, respect, Gary Neville, I've got to say... Um, Roy Keane, Glenn Hoddle have all been Ding, slightly... Roy Keane mentioned. Slightly, yeah, your mate. Uh, all been critical of him and uh, in in the way that Tottenham play. Is that snobbery? Um, I don't know whether it's uh, a snobbery. You know, they great football brains. They have their opinions. What I do think is they, you know, they don't, they don't understand uh, or haven't looked into uh, Postacoglu deeply enough in his coaching career and the brand of football which he plays you know spoke to him many times read a lot of stuff about him he wants to play this attacking brand of football and it's worked for him for a 25 year period so he's come to Tottenham and he's saying well why am I going to change why am I going to change that it's it's been successful for me and I actually thought that Tottenham would be a a bit more of a slow burner if you know if I'm Mm. honest and maybe uh, around October, November, really hit the straps. I think that in many respects, we may be getting a little bit overexcited because I'm still pretty sure they will have some tough weeks and, and they will concede some goals playing the way that they're playing and getting counter-attacked. And, and then we'll get, you know, Postacoglu's naive with the way he plays. But with a guy who has his track record in management, maybe not in in uh, as fashionable uh, a league as you know a lot of english fans w- w- would would want um you know i think he's going to do good things remember when arsen wenger 
came to these shores and everybody wrote him off. What happened next? This is your favourite. This is your favourite example. You're going to have to. It's a you, good example. You're going to have to have more. Use this one. Use it last week. You're going to use it next week as well. I, w- more, I will because it's very relevant. Because you're going to have, to have more because breadth. you and your mob more at times are, are, are quick. More That's right. If it works, if something and this this is the issue. If something works. Keep using it. It's more, a great example. Start my intros. More breadth to your opinions and more depth occasionally would be handy as well. So Tottenham haven't got Harry Kane. Um, can they thrive without... I mean, it's pointless saying, are oh, they a better team without Kane? Because that, that would be ridiculous. But can they find a way to thrive without Harry Kane? Yes. And uh, I, I think in this... Three games into the Premier League season, you you can you can see the noticeable change in in the way that they're playing and under the the three really negative uh, last managers. Um, I think in many ways Kane going has taken a bit of pressure off Postecoglou as as well. But you know it's always been Postecoglou the way he's his managed has always been about the team, the team ethic, and not just. I think Spurs were so reliant on Harry Kane for goals. Son of course chipped in as well. But I think, you know, up, up at Celtic, it was, um, you know, about the whole team scoring the wide men. It's good to see Kulisevsky get on the mm-hmm. score sheet at the weekend. He's, 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 he's really big on um, the, the opposite wide men, making sure that they're really getting inside that far post or attacking that far post. And, you know, I think I think the wingers at, uh, at Spurs will thrive. And Madison, you know, you've touched on him Um you know, with, with the likes of uh, was Saar and Basuma, they've started strongly firing the ball into him, him on the half turn. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to think of a better, a better, more incisive passer in the Premier League than Madison, I think. Now, Lionel Messi uh, has finally made his MLS debut. It seems like he's been playing in for Inter Miami for weeks and months already, but he made his um, MLS debut at the weekend, scored another goal. Uh, in the in their win, and he's making quite the mark over there. Um, one of my colleagues, Dan Matthews, is um, working over in New York at the moment to kind of cover a range of sports. And obviously, Messi's very high on his uh, agenda. He canvassed a couple of supporters at, at the weekend before the game. Um, David from Riverdale in New Jersey says that Messi is bringing star power. He says it's in the news, it's word of mouth, it's everywhere, you can't escape it. It's really impressive. Um, David from Paris, New Jersey. Everyone seems to call David on this show today. Dave. Uh, um, David from Paris, New Jersey says Messi is doing an awful lot more for MLS than David, another David, David Beckham ever did. Now, MLS or American mm. soccer has been striving for credibility for almost as long as I can remember. Is this actually going to change it? Is, the, is, that, is this going to change the levels of performance in that league? Um, is, it going to, is it going to change the popularity of soccer in America? Because Lionel Messi is there. Mm, I think the MLS would like to think so, but I, I don't think it will long-term, short-term, they'll have the, the messy phase and then when he's had enough, um, you know, it will go back to to what it was before. And, and what it, was it's, that? Uh, oh, it's, a, it's a league for, uh, for, for, dare I say, washed up players who, so who for European players who, who want to go to America for the lifestyle with the families at the end of their career. You call him Lionel Messi washed up? Lionel he's Messi he's washed, washed up. up for him, isn't he? Is he? He's still, he's still good, but, you know, he's washed up. Just he's, as Ronaldo is 
that as you is, said, what is washed up going to the Saudi. They're, they're, not, they're not the players which they once you, were because because he wouldn't go there. As you, you know, said he, to me a couple of weeks ago, would you say? Well, you said to me, would you say that to Roy Keane's face? Would you say that to Lionel Messi's face? You so that, well, washed I'm, I'm up, six, yeah, you well, washed yeah. up little man. I'm six foot four. I'm um, you know, considerably oh, taller thing. than him. Oh, it's, yeah, oh I see. Wow, him, caveman. Say, uh, but, but, caveman. But, but, but you see, you as you've done over the years in journalism, you're misquoting me there, aren't you? He's washed up for him. Scandalous. No, interpreting what you're saying. That's what I'm doing. I'm not misquoting no, you. you are, yeah, yes, but, but you know what I mean. He's, 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 at, he's at the end of yeah. his, coming to the end of his career. He's not the player which he once was, because if he had like uh, serious ambition, he would have gone back to Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. I mean, into Miami, it's great. Go over there and... You know, take the accolades and and raise the profile for for a bit, and you know he's, he's still a still a great player, and he's going to attract. Them. I think the problem that they've got as a, as a league in terms of trying to raise a standard, trying to raise a profile, is that um, I know you find this very difficult to believe, but 30, 30 odd years ago, I did a bit of soccer coaching in a in a in a in America, and he's and I need lover, I need lover. Hang on a minute. I don't, I don't think anything oh, went on. I don't think anything went on to make it, by the way. Right. But I did it, and and what I'm driving at is that all the kids on that camp, or so many kids on that camp, it was general sports camp, loved soccer. This is thirty odd. They loved it. They loved. They, what did they, you do? Just run them. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Random uphills. Uh, I see. There was a, there was a, a quite memorable Saturday afternoon when teams from another camp came to play our kids at our camp, and I refereed. And my refereeing was so was so bad that they took their kids off and went home. <laughs> <laughs> we went home in protest at my officiating. I think it, I think it was my particularly pernickety uh, implementation of the offside law that they that they you know, these kids were about nine, you know. I mean, we kind of flag up constantly. Anyway, well, if, you were, if you were refereeing a game and you had a flag, then that was... That was... We were a bit short-staffed. Now, my point is, apart from to invite ridicule, invite rid ridicule of you, is that, is that... I don't know why I find this so funny. Um, I've never seen a referee with a flag. Is that... All of the, at least I was honest. No bias. No bias. No bias there. I wasn't influenced by the crowd. Just, the crowd just went home. Um, my point is that... What tended to happen then was that those kids would play for soccer until they were 10, 11, 12, 13. And any of them that were any good at the other sports in America, be it basketball, baseball, American football, would just be taken off to play those sports because that's where they make the money, that's where they get the profile. And soccer is left with the kind of the rest. Yeah. And I don't think that's ever going to change. It's a minority sport and therefore it will always need an influx of name European players or players from European leagues to bring it its star profile. I just don't think that it will ever massively go on from there. I'd anyway, that, yeah. anyway, Dan Matthews at the game at the weekend spoke to a few more supporters who happily were not called Dave and they actually um, recorded a couple of questions for you. Hi Chris, my name is Diego I'm from Washington DC. Uh, I just wanted to ask you uh, if you were still playing uh, with the MLS or America still uh, be something you'd be interest, interested in to play. In. No player worth his salt in 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 the prime goes to play in the MLS. The problem with you would that you would have you would have you would have to have taken your wife, <laughs> six children, nine dogs, mm. and seven cats to uh, over there. I'm, I'm right. right. And, I'm and, right and, in those numbers. And the horses. And well, I'm right in yeah. those numbers, aren't I? 
nine you, dogs. You got them the wrong way round. Nine yeah. dogs. No, seven, seven dogs. Seven. <laughs> too many dogs. Seven, too many dogs. Yeah. Extraordinary. Yeah. Right. So, you, but okay. no, I don't. I, I wouldn't have seen that as as the uh, as a big issue. But no, I, I get. Look, I think I think we all get the attraction of mm. uh, of the MLS in America. Big fan of Disney, aren't you? Uh, Most no. magical place on earth. You'd you'd fit in well there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I would have. Uh, I would have gone at the end, you know, I would have thought about going, but not, not for the football. And we have another question for you as well. Or the soccer, I should say. The soccer, the soccer. Hi, Chris. My name is Eric Alacon from Paris, New Jersey. Do you think Messi's arrival to the MLS will prompt more players from the Premier League to come to the MLS? Thank you. Eric, no. Short and sweet. We need more of those. We think probably need more of those short and sweet answers, really, um, on this show. Anyway, favourite moments of the weekend. Um, I'm going to start at Bramall Lane. As I've, I know we're only, supposed to, we're only supposed to do one, but I'm actually going to do three. Um, so the, I was at, at the game, the City game at, at Sheffield United. The reaction when um, Sheffield United equalised. I was on the front row of the press box, so uh, in other, so the back row of the stand is right in in front of me. There was a lady sitting in front of me who, when Sheffield United scored, screamed, screamed in a way that I have n- not witnessed a lady scream for a long, long time. It was absolutely says more about absolutely um, extraordinary, and I also loved the. Um, Obviously, Pep Guardiola is in Barcelona at the moment, recovering from um, a back operation. His assistant, uh, Juan Malillo, was on the bench yesterday. And there's that great footage that I saw on the television of him trying to speak to Pep on the, <laughs> on, on the phone. And then eventually just took his, took his earbuds out and threw them down. Because we've all mm-hmm. been in that situation of like, sorry, what? No, I can't hear you. I, I just, I'll forget <laughs> it. I'll, do, I'll, just, I'll just, just forget it. It's like, yeah. just forget it. Um, but my main moment, I think, of the weekend. Now, this is... Might sound a little bit negative, but Calvin Bassey is sent off uh, playing for Fulham against uh, Arsenal. And the reason that I'm kind of all for that is because his first booking was for wasting time. For wasting time. Afterwards, not surprisingly, the Fulham manager, Marcus Silva, had something to say about it. But that shows to me that this clampdown is working. It's working. If that happens again... And the more that happens, it'll stop players wasting time. It'll stop them wasting time at corners and at free kicks and at substitutions. Once they're booked and then they get the double jeopardy and they're off, it'll stop it. It will stop it happening. You're looking at me as if you don't no, agree no, with that. No, I, no, I, I do agree with you. I think the frustration, which is pretty inevitable, is, you know, our, our referees um, playing by the same rules to... Every player, because there, there, there'll always be, uh, you know, Marco Silva will, you know, use, um, you know, Arsenal players from that day who took longer to take a That's free what he kick did or, say. Or, or, or a throw in. And, and we saw Tommy Yasu sent off at, uh, at mm. Crystal Palace. And that seemed, you know, pretty harsh. I mean, both, both, both yellows actually seemed really harsh, um, you know, in that respect. So that, that, that's where, that, that, that's where there's a bit of a grey area, but I do, I agree with you. I, it, I, I take your point. It, it, it will hopefully get us to where we want yeah, to be. It, it is subjective. And afterwards, Marcus Silva, by the way, is a manager who's been booked three times himself already this season. Marcus Silva said that it was a joke and that these things suck emotion out of the game. What I would say to him is that, no, the things that suck emotion out of the game are wasting time. 
mm. and, and and things like that. So I'm sorry, um, I'm all for it. And that, by the way, Marco Silva is the guy whose own indiscipline and whose team's indiscipline at Old Trafford last season cost him a place in the FA Cup semi-finals. So maybe he's got something to learn from that point albeit, of view. Albeit we, we can go back full circle there to... Uh, to, I was at, to I was at, another decision at Old Trafford. I was at that going game. I was at Manchester that, I was at that game. Fulham got sadly got what they deserved that day. Your moment of the weekend. What is it? Uh, my moment of the weekend. Well, you know, I do the uh, football phone in, uh, for the Five Live BBC Six Hundred Six. A Nottingham Forest fan coming on and accusing me of being part of the problem. Part of the media bias. Which problem? Which problem? The, <laughs> you are a bit for of a Manchester problem. United getting the decisions. I don't. I don't get that. I mean, what? Why is he? Why is he referring to me? Why is he not referring to somebody like yourself? I think there is your a, media bias. I think there is a perception. I mean, I get the one thing that persuades me that I'm not biased is that just about is that supporters from every club in the Premier League accuse me of being biased against their club. I can't be biased against all of them, can I? So that maybe suggests to me that I am somewhere in the in the middle of it all. But I think there is a perception out there that not just from referees and the rest of it, that, that, that also from us, that the big clubs do get the benefit of the doubt sometimes, that we don't want to upset them. It's not right. It's not right. You know, we probably write more column inches, spend more time on shows like this talking about mistakes made by big clubs players than we do by uh, smaller clubs players. So I don't buy it, but I'm glad that somebody's there. I'm glad someone's having a go at you anyway. And I don't want to finish without talking about your favourite subject, fantasy football. How did your team get on this weekend? You come on, 10 yeah, seconds. Good, I, bad, uh, I was above average this weekend. Captain, Captain Harland was brave and Captain, Captain Harland went for it. Uh, so above average, that's a, that's a good week. You know, I did find out this week that in this office in which we're currently sitting, all the guys and girls out on the kind of, in the uh, male sport, department have a fantasy football league they've got a fantasy football league i never asked me never asked me to be in it probably they've got a, their own fantasy football league do, do, do maybe you, this is at the maybe this is at the root of my kind of it will you know, it will enhance your life you don't know anything about my life and you never will right that's the end of uh, today's <laughs> show thank you very much for being with us again uh if you're watching this show on YouTube, please do remember to like and subscribe. I know I keep saying it, but it's really, really important. Um, if you're listening, just make sure that you go to wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to leave us a review. Uh, for all your breaking sports news you want to go to Mail Online, please download the Mail Plus app. And Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Most importantly of all, please make sure you're here next time when we sit here and do this all over again. My name is Ian Laderman. The chap over there wearing a T-shirt that his wife bought for him is Chris Sutton. And this has been It's All Kicking Off. 